Hello. Hi. I'm Sarah. I'm Casey. And we are Relatively Relatively Dark. dark. (laughs) We're back with part two. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Of crazy butt Jody Arias and the murder of Travis Alexander. I'm going to get into it because I don't Good. know how long it's going to be. Good. Uh, I will put a trigger warning. There will be a little bit of language, I guess, for us. It's okay. language. Yeah. Um, some stuff is, I guess, somewhat vulgar in nature. Yeah. Compared to what we normally talk about. Yeah, I think it's good to mention that because we're clean, family or not, I won't say family oriented, but you know, family friendly sort of. Yeah. Even though it's true crime. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so to recap a little bit, um, we're about to start the trial. Mm-hmm. We are in January of 2013. Mm-hmm. Five years, almost five years after Travis Alexander was killed, she is claiming he attacked her and she killed him out of self defense. Oh, and the reason he attacked her because he freaked out over a dropped digital camera. Yes, he lost it, flipped out, attacked her. So, let's get into it, please. The prosecution, to kind of go through like their bullet points, I guess. Yeah. How you could say it. Travis Alexander was stabbed 27 times. Mm -mm -mm. He was shot in the temple. His throat was slit, nearly decapitating him. And she is claiming self-defense? Yeah. Really? Don't think so. So, that's kind of their whole philosophy behind it. The defense claimed... Jody was Travis's dirty little secret. He okay. wanted her for all the things that he couldn't get from a good Mormon girl. Okay. But he still wanted to pursue the person that he wanted to marry and settle down with. So in a way, he was ashamed of Jody. Okay. Their claim was that Travis continually, mentally, physically, and sexually abused her. Okay. So this was their whole thing, basically putting the victim on trial. Yeah. I can't stand that. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I can't stand when the victim of a murder, especially a brutal murder, especially, especially a murder that has so much overkill mm-hmm. like this one, can't stand when they put that victim on trial. Yeah, it's like they try to discredit that person to make it like okay for what happened. To justify. And I, yeah. And I can understand in a trial where... Maybe it was they're, actually self-defense. Like they're claiming self-defense and it was one gunshot. Yeah. Or they were chasing them or whatever and they hit them with their car or something like that. Yeah. This, anyways, no. <laughs> I won't get into my whole big spiel because everybody can form their own opinions. So, dirty little secret. He wanted to pursue the appropriate woman for him. So, the defense cast a pretty harsh light on the victim Which means that the prosecution's job now is to reverse the jury's perception. Mm -hmm. Because this is basically what they covered in their opening statements. Mm -hmm. The first step they take to do that is call Mimi Hall to the stand. Okay. Mimi Hall was Travis's friend who he planned on taking with him to Cancun. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I ran out of breath. (laughs) Um, They met through the Mormon church, dated a little bit. She decided just wanted to be friends. Okay. And was one of the people who was there the night he was discovered. She testified that Travis never made any advances toward her. Mm-hmm. At the most, she said he gave her a hug. Mm. That was it. She also said, quote, I felt very safe with Travis. 
He was, you know, very respectful. There was never anything like that. Mimi told the court that at some point Travis had warned her about a female stalker he had Mm. that supposedly slashed his tires multiple times, hacked his email and his bank accounts, Mm. and would sneak into his house through the doggy door and sleep on his couch, and he would have no idea that she was even there. Wow. Travis never told Mimi the name of this stalker, Hmm. But the first time his tires were slashed, his friends said that they had no doubt that this was Jody. Their next witness was Maricopa County Medical Examiner Kevin Horn. Mm -hmm. He is the one that performed Travis Alexander's autopsy. Right. And he testified that the 27 stab wounds that he had suffered were to his neck, back, and head. Mm -mm. The slash in his throat was ear to ear. And the gunshot wound was above his right eyebrow and exited through his left cheek. From an angle. Yeah. Horn also testified that he had various defensive wounds, which showed that he fought for his life. Mm-hmm. Um, Jody claimed that she shot him first, but that shot didn't kill him. And they kept struggling. So then she grabbed a knife and started stabbing him. In his back. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. The prosecution then had the medical examiner identify the gunshot wound, and they asked, did the bullet strike Travis's brain? And Horn said that the brain was decomposed, so he couldn't see a clear path that the bullet Mm. took through the brain, but because of where the bullet entered his skull, he concluded that Travis's brain was punctured. So Martinez, the prosecutor, he asked if the brain was perforated, what would happen after he was shot? Mm-hmm. And Horn said he would quickly become incapacitated. Yeah. He also testified that the defensive wounds on Travis's hands would have had to occur before mm-hmm. the wounds to his neck and the gunshot wound. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So, Jody Arias stabbed Travis, nearly decapitated him, then shot him in the head and yeah. is claiming self-defense. That is Mm -hmm. what the prosecution is banking on. That's what they're arguing is what I'm, that's what I was trying to think of. That's what they're arguing. Right. Now the defense gets a chance for cross-examination. They ask, sorry, I was going to make another point. Oh, go ahead. I mean, another point that people make in self-defense, some people have the point shoot to kill because you don't know, especially if it's self-defense, you're not really Mm -hmm. that experienced. The reason you have a gun is for that reason, whatever. But some people, you know, will shoot the leg or the shoulder or something like that because they just want to incapacitate them to get away. Mm -hmm. So even if she shot him first, he's not going to still come at you. You wouldn't think. So now the defense gets their turn to cross-examine. They ask Horn if he has any medical evidence of it passing through the brain. And he says It had to have passed through the brain. Mm -hmm. It would have passed through the frontal lobe. And they're like, but you don't have any evidence of it doing that. And he says, you know, I don't have any evidence of hemorrhage because of decomposition. Right. So he's saying there's no doubt in his mind that that bullet would have entered the brain. Right. He just can't produce any physical evidence of it. Because there is no brain to look at. There was no brain to look at. Exactly. Can't take a picture of a decomposed brain. Exactly. Goodness. So, they're just, but you can't prove it. But you can't prove it, which is their job, whatever. But um, the prosecution's next witness That's what they call witnesses. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. 
Their next witness is Warika police officer Kevin Friedman. Okay. On May 28th in 2008, he responded to a burglary call at the home of Carolyn Allen. Okay. The intruder took a DVD player, a CD player, small amount of money, and a 25 caliber gun. Mm-mm-mm. While officers are getting statements from the Allens about what happened, their granddaughter shows up. Okay. Remember when I said Jody had moved back in with her grandparents in 2008? Yeah. She was their granddaughter. Wow. So, Jody's grandfather's 25 caliber gun was stolen one week before Travis was shot with a 25 caliber gun. Because that casing was found at the crime scene. Right. On the night that Jody was there. Yes. Neither her grandfather's gun or the gun that shot Travis was ever found, but it's highly likely that that was the same gun. Right. After nine days of witness testimony, the prosecution rests. There's a lot more. There's plenty more. Right, yeah. Can't cover everything because you will be listening to me talk for two weeks, which I don't think anybody wants to do. Nope. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So now it's the defense's turn. Their first witness is Jody's ex-boyfriend of four years. Okay. This is the one that she broke up with to be with Travis. Right. He testified about Jody's character, stating that she was responsible, caring. She was a loving person. Mm-hmm. He said that he had a son who had a great relationship with Jody. Basically, his testimony was used to humanize her. Yeah. Give, like, this is a good person. She wouldn't do this yep. if, if she didn't have to, blah, blah, blah. Yep. But when it was the prosecution's turn to question him, Martinez brings up... That on June 3rd, 2008, the day before Travis Alexander was killed, right before her road trip, Jody went to his house. His name is Daryl Brewer, by the way. Sorry, I didn't say that earlier. <laughs> she went to his house and borrowed something. Okay. She borrowed three five-gallon gas cans. Okay. Why would she need gas cans, you may ask? There's gas stations all over the place. Right. Well, at one point in the investigation, a shoebox was found. Okay. There were receipts that acted as breadcrumbs from her road trip. Mm-hmm. Receipts from gas stations and whatever in California, in Nevada, and in Utah. Yeah, none in Arizona. There were no receipts from Arizona. <laughs> what the prosecution theorized was, before leaving California, she filled those gas cans that she got from her ex-boyfriend. That way, she wouldn't have to stop for gas while she drove through Arizona, mm-hmm. stopping in Mesa, to murder Travis Alexander. There was no paper trail, no transactions, no security footage of her at any gas station that could prove she was in Arizona. That's premeditation. You, I'm telling you, the prosecution's reasoning was because she knew she was going to kill Travis. And in my notes, it says right here, there's your premeditation. (laughs) I mean, as soon as you started talking about it, like filling them up, she knew she was going to make that trip down there. Mm -hmm. So she knew that, that she didn't want To leave a paper trail. Yep. (laughs) So the prosecution also attempted to establish premeditation when Martinez pointed out that he supposedly attacked her when she dropped the camera. The sudden flipped out attacked her. Right. She said she shot him first. That's what she said. Then she started stabbing him because the gunshot didn't kill him. Mm Mm-hmm. When did she have time to go get a knife if he was still actively attacking her? Oh, right, yeah. What? what? Yeah, like he just has one laying around so in the room. So you shoot him and he's still attacking you and you're still struggling. 
but you're like, hold, hold that thought. Wait one minute. Okay, continue attacking me. I right. had to go get a knife. What? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Ugh. So, the defense's main strategy, pretty much, like I said, putting the victim on trial. Right. They're going to attack his character. They're going to show that Jody's claim of self-defense makes total sense. Because he wasn't a good guy, Jody was a victim of domestic violence. Right. As part of that strategy, they call Travis's ex-girlfriend, Lisa Andrews Didone, to the stand. Okay. Uh, Lisa was also a Mormon. She dated Travis Alexander in late 2007, early 2008-ish. Okay. She testified she believed their relationship was monogamous and had emailed him telling him that she knew sexual intimacy was on his mind. She asked him, you know, not to bring it up so much. She claimed that he did anyways. He would bring it up all the time. And she said that she told him she felt that he just wanted her for her body. Mm Mm-hmm. And she said that the first time they broke up was because she found out that he had been cheating on her with Jody. Hmm. So at the end of her testimony, Martinez is questioning her because she apparently had said something about Travis becoming aroused at one point when they were kissing. And she didn't like that. Okay. That was kind of something along the same lines of like she didn't want him to like do or say anything that was along those lines because it made her uncomfortable. So she felt of it, she thought of it as inappropriate. Yes. Okay. Thank you. It's very hard for me to explain that. (laughs) But Martinez is asking her, so you were uncomfortable with the fact that he didn't do anything about that? Like he didn't stop that? And he was like, you were young, you were naive, so you probably didn't understand that he doesn't have control of that. He asks her, you know, did he act on it? Did he do anything? She's like, no. And he's like, okay. So why, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's kind of just like just diminishing a, just, yeah. her testimony of yeah. he was vulgar, this and that. He got, he, got, he got a little turned on and that yeah. you thought that was inappropriate when that's a normal reaction. Yes, exactly. Right. Sorry, I'm not very good at, <laughs> I'm trying to explain. Um, then she does admit that some of her thoughts toward him were unfair and what she has said about him was unfair. Okay. Um, He then asks if she thought it was appropriate to take a knife and slash somebody's throat. Then he whips out an autopsy photo of Travis where he's nearly decapitated and the courtroom is shocked. Like it's just, he just whips it out. Wow. Do you think it's fair to do this to somebody and whips out that picture? One of Travis's sisters almost breaks down and leaves the courtroom. Oh my gosh. The defense objects, obviously, he most likely did this just for, like, a shock factor. To yeah. be like, don't forget that this is what why we're here. Yeah. She's almost kind of discrediting Travis and saying that his actions were inappropriate. So, like, almost like what she did was appropriate. Yes. And he's saying, <clears throat> so this is what you're saying accounts for what he did to you. Yeah. What he did to you deserves this. Right. Yeah. Bam, picture. Shoo-wee. Yeah. So, that was like, whew. Um... Before we move on to the next final witness, I just want to recap a little bit the prosecution's theory as to what happened. Okay. They think she staged the burglary at her grandparents' house to get the gun. Mm-hmm. She stopped at her ex's house to get the gas Which is cans. also premeditation. Duh. Yes. She sets out on her road trip, pit stop to kill Travis, never having to get gas, then arrives in Salt Lake City like nothing ever happened. Right. And my thought, okay, you're scared for your life, Okay. You just killed a man. Even if it was self-defense, you took a life. 
And you can just act like it never happened. Because remember, Ryan Burns, her new boo, Bo, however you say it, mm, that she went to go Bo. see. Of course it is. Um, <laughs> he said she seemed happy. She seemed fine. Like nothing was wrong. Mm-hmm. You you just killed somebody. Yeah. You were so scared for your life. And then you just drive up there like nothing ever happened. And also, in the interview, she said, no jury will convict me. Mm-hmm. If she's that confident, why didn't she call the police? Yeah. It was self-defense. Well, when she said that, she was claiming she didn't even kill him. Right. Yeah. Now, the defense's case. She admitted she was there. She did kill him. Self-defense. Question. Hmm? Are you about to say who the last witness is? Yes. Should I guess who it is? Yeah, you can. want to. I would guess that it would be Jody. It is. Uh-huh. They're going to tear her apart. So. <clears throat> Sorry. So she admitted she was there. She did kill him. It was self-defense. This is her third story. First, she knew nothing. Then it was the intruders. Now, okay, I did it. Yeah. So she claims self-defense after years of degradation, Mm -hmm. sexual abuse, physical abuse. And on February 4th of 2013, Jody takes the stand. She was on the stand for 18 days. Oh my gosh. A long time. Yeah. Um... I'm going to go through a small chunk of her testimony. It's from different days. It's not right. all in order. So nobody come at me for that because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Just so, go watch it. Can you watch it? Yes. You can see basically all of the okay. trial. So her appearance was drastically different. Obviously, she had already dyed her hair brown. Now she's wearing glasses every day, which she normally didn't. Mm-hmm. She's wearing little like button-up, very... Non-revealing. She's wearing modest, baggy pants. There's one pair of pants. Oh my gosh! Like they're hideous, but whatever. (laughs) She's trying to look like this innocent Mm -hmm. person. Um. So she admits that she killed Travis Alexander on June fourth, two thousand nine. When asked why, Jody said, "Quote: Um, the simple answer is that he attacked me, and I defended myself." As I said, one of the big aspects of the defense's strategy was to bring the blemishes of Travis's character to the forefront. Right. Blemishes he had, according to Jody Arias. Right. So, during direct examination, when her lawyers are talking to her on the witness stand, Mm. she says the day she converted to Mormonism, after the ceremony, they go back to the house in the bedroom, they're kissing, and then proceeded to have anal intercourse and she claimed she didn't want to do that but she also didn't stop him okay jody's attorney kirk nermy also admits some of travis's own words into evidence one text message said you're the ultimate slut in bed okay jody said he would sometimes call her the same thing during sex Mm -hmm. travis also said at one point this is a little much so trigger warning quote Feeling like you'd been raped, but you enjoyed every delightful moment of it. End Ooh. quote. Ugh. I don't know if that was a text, an email, or what, but... Yeah. In another something, his own words said, quote, You'll rejoice in being a whore. That sole purpose in life is to be mine, to have animalistic sex with, and to please me in any way I desire. End quote. Mm. Karis pointed out the lady from the documentary. She said she seemed embarrassed. It's hard to talk about your sex life in front of a courtroom full of strangers, obviously. Right. But she acted as though she didn't want to participate in any of those acts when they happened. Right. Is kind of what she was portraying. Jody said Travis would tell her she was worthless. 
at one point, I think it was an email, he referred to her as a three-hole wonder. Oh, okay. Which is not okay. Yeah. He called her multiple different offensive names. Mm -hmm. And the defense claimed that Travis Alexander was more or less a womanizer who used sex as a weapon, abusive in every way. Okay. But their most shocking accusation about Travis, Jody testified that she had once walked in on him pleasuring himself to child pornography. Okay. And claimed that he had inappropriate interest in children, specifically young boys. Okay. As far as I have researched, there has been nothing else about that anywhere. Gotcha. If it's true, terrible. If it's not true, that's a really, really crappy thing to do. Oh, yeah. You've already done all of this. Yeah. Took this person's life and you're going to drag Accuse their name. Of that. Yeah. yeah. Jody's claim is that Travis's behavior really started to escalate. Um, she told the court about four different incidents that occurred over the course of a few months. Mm-hmm. One of those was January 22nd, I think 2008. He had asked her to borrow $200. She didn't have it. He got mad, grabbed her, started shaking her, body slammed her on the floor, called her names, kicked her in the ribs. And she said that he went to kick her again and she put up her hand and he kicked it and it injured her finger. Okay. She held up her left hand to show the courtroom her bent ring finger. Okay. And the defense's biggest piece of evidence was a recording of a phone conversation that was very, very explicit and sexual. Okay. It was recorded on May 10th, less than a month before the murder. Jody had recorded it on her phone and said that she had lost it. It was found by one of her family members who then turned it over to the defense. Okay. Why would she record this unless it was to use against him later? Right. This showing his sexual deviancy, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was it just him on the recording and him talking in this No, it was way? both of them. Okay. Um, the media had a field day, obviously, after that recording had got out. Yeah. Some said it proves the defense's case. He was a vile guy. He was motivated by demeaning lust mm-hmm. to just use Jody for her body. She had battered woman syndrome, which is why she was mm. compliant. And while she said just as much stuff as he did on the recording and so on. Mm-hmm. Others said that the recording disproved the defense's argument that Jody was sexually abused. Yeah. They were saying she obviously liked it and nothing they did was non-consensual by yeah. the sounds of it. And the whole thing where she said after the ceremony that that happened and she didn't want it to, mm-hmm. but she didn't stop it. During that recording, he says something about doing the same thing to her while she is tied to a tree. And oh, she okay. says, oh my gosh, that is so debasing. I like it, is oh, what she says. Wow. okay. So, sorry, I don't believe a word she says, but that's just yeah. Um, Then Nermi asks Jody to take him through the sequence of events the night that Travis was killed. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm going to read it, quote, that's lengthy, but (laughs) this is her words. I want to use her words. Okay. She says, quote, I was taking pictures. I was probably a few feet from the shower so that the water didn't get on the camera. And at one point, as I moved the camera, it slipped out of my hand. At that point, Travis flipped out. He stepped out of the shower and he picked me up. He body slammed me on the towel. He told me that a five-year-old can hold the camera better than I can. I began to run down the hallway, and I could hear his footsteps chasing me. So I ran to the closet, and I slammed the door. And as soon as I got in there, I remembered where he kept the gun. So I grabbed it, and then I ran out the other door as he was opening the door. 
and he ran, chasing me, and I turned around and pointed it at him so that he would stop chasing me. It was like mortal terror. It was like I pissed him off worse than I'd ever seen him pissed off, end quote. The part that confused me a little was when she was like, I ran in the closet and then I opened the door as soon as he, or I ran out the door as soon as he was opening the door. That confused me. But the closet was one of those that it's got two doors. One leads to the bedroom, one leads to the bathroom. Okay. He was opening one door to come into the closet. She ran out the other one. Okay. Because I was like, what are you talking about? Um, I don't remember. Was he found naked? Yes, he was okay. nude in the shower. I don't even think I said that, but yes. Okay. Because that's what I was thinking. If he automatically started attacking her, he wouldn't have clothes on. Right. Um, they ask, did you feel like he was going to kill you? And she said, for sure, when he said kill you, yes. He almost killed me before, and now he was saying he was going to. She went on to testify that she pointed the gun at him and thought that it would make him stop, but then he lunged at her. And she didn't even realize that she had shot him. It just went off. She didn't remember stabbing him. She didn't remember dragging him across the floor. There was a huge gap in her memory. She blacked out or something. She was in this fog. Uh-huh. And Convenient. the defense's questioning ended after eight days of testimony from Jody. Now it's the prosecution's turn. Mm-hmm. Her demeanor completely changed once Juan Martinez started questioning her. When she's being questioned by the defense, she's calm. She held herself together. She's almost stoic in a way. She's uh, reciting practice lines, probably. Probably. But when Martinez questioned her, she's defensive or she doesn't understand the questions or she doesn't remember. She's almost combative in a way. Yeah. Sorry, you know what it reminds me of? Hey. Amber Heard? Oh, yeah. Like, as soon as Vasquez got up there? Oh, yeah. So, cross-examination. Martinez gets his crack at her. When questioning her about her memory lapses, Martinez asked what factors influence her having a memory problem. This is this whole big thing. She's like, well, I wouldn't really call it a problem. He's like, okay, your memory issues. Well, I wouldn't really call them issues. And it's like, just answer the question. Just answer the question. Yep. Um... Her response, she says, um, usually when men like you are screaming at me or grilling me or someone like Travis doing the same, that's mm-hmm. what causes her to forget. Okay. <laughs> Martinez then used Jody's journals to contradict her testimony. There was a journal entry from August 26th, 2007, less than 10 months before the murder. 10 months? 10 months. Okay. And it said, quote, well, I guess it's a good thing that nobody else reads this because I write right now that I love Travis Victor Alexander so completely that I don't know any other way to be. So you may be thinking, well, that was a pretty good while before he was killed. Things could have completely changed since then, whatever. But there's not one single entry that mentions him abusing her in any way. Nothing about him being a pedophile. Nothing about her supposed injured finger. Nothing. Yeah, nothing Nothing about anything. Exactly. (laughs) Jody claimed that it was because she believed something known as the law of attraction. According to VeryWellMind.com, the law of attraction is a philosophy suggesting that positive thoughts bring positive results into a person's life, while negative thoughts bring negative outcomes. It is based on a belief that thoughts are a form of energy and that positive energy attracts success in all areas of life, including health, finances, and relationships. So because she didn't write the negative things, they would go away? Sort of. The way she described it, quote, You're not supposed to think about, speak about, read about, write about, talk about negative things. 
Otherwise, those things will be brought into your life more. Sure. Whatever you say, Jody. Yeah. And speaking and talking is the same thing, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Martinez then questioned Jody about her bent finger, the one she mm-hmm. she said was injured when Travis was kicking her. Mm-hmm. She claimed that that injury occurred in late January of 2008. So Martinez shows her a picture of her with her sister that was taken in April of the same year, months mm-hmm. after this injury. He points out that her finger would have been injured before that picture was taken. And you can clearly see her left hand in the picture, and that finger ain't bent. Yeah. She has her arm around her sister, and it's straight as can be. <laughs> but anyways, his point is that her finger wasn't bent until after yeah. she stabbed Travis Alexander. He then begins talking about the crime, the murder. He shows her an autopsy photo of Travis's back, which shows all the stab wounds. Mm-hmm. She breaks down, of course, mm-hmm. whether it's real or fake, whatever. She's bawling. She's got to take her glasses off. Composed no longer. <laughs> and he asks her, just like you said, if he has all of these stab wounds in his back, is it safe to say he was no longer a threat to you when you inflicted them? She didn't answer because Nermi objected, cause for speculation, blah, blah, blah. After 18 days of testimony from Jody, the defense rests. Okay. So now, closing arguments. Part of Juan Martinez's closing argument, he said, quote, Jody Ann Arias killed Travis Alexander, and even after stabbing him over and over again, and even after slashing his throat from ear to ear, and then even after taking a gun and shooting him in the face, she will not let him rest in peace. But now, instead of a gun, instead of a knife, she uses lies. Let this sit for two minutes. And this is when he is silent. He has the whole courtroom be silent for two minutes. Because that's how long it took Jody to kill Travis. Oh my goodness. That was a very big, very emotional part in the trial. Wow. Kirk Nermy, in his closing arguments, he says, It's not even about whether or not you like Jody Arias. Nine out of ten days, I don't like Jody Arias. <laughs> okay. He goes on to say later, What this evidence shows you is that either what happened is that Jody Arias defended herself and didn't know when to stop, or she gave in to a sudden heat of passion from a fight that had begun up in that bathroom. And that what she did, she did under that sudden heat of passion. If Miss Arias is guilty of any crime at all, it is the crime of manslaughter and nothing more. So the four-month trial is finally over. The case was handed over to the jury. Mm-hmm. After four days of deliberation, on May 8, 2013, the jury reaches a verdict. Okay. So this could be anywhere from... First degree murder, which meant the death penalty, mm-hmm. to manslaughter, which is a much, much lighter sentence. Right. It all depended on if the prosecution had proven beyond a reasonable doubt that there was premeditation. Right. The court clerk read the decision. We, the jury, duly impaled and sworn in the above entitled action, upon our oaths, do find the defendant as to count one, first degree murder, guilty. Good. In true Jody fashion. Gosh. True Jody fashion. Oh, my. Minutes, minutes after being convicted of first degree murder, she sits down for an interview with a local news station. Oh, my goodness. She hasn't been sentenced yet. She may get sentenced to death. Mm hmm. And she just got this news. And she's like, okay, I'm ready for my close up. Oh, my gosh. Oh. So. She's asked, basically, what the worst outcome would be for her. I'm going to play you a clip of her response. Okay. 
Well, the worst outcome for me would be natural life. I would much rather die sooner than later. Longevity runs in my family, and I don't want to spend the rest of my natural life in one place. Um, you know, I'm pretty healthy. I don't smoke. And I would probably live a long time. So that's not something I'm looking forward to. Um, I said years ago that I'd rather get death than life, and that still is true today. I believe death is the ultimate freedom, so I'd rather just have my freedom soon, as soon as I can get it. Oh, good grief. Probably because she knows that that's what's going to happen, so she's trying to be like, well, that's what I wanted. Well, Jane Velez Mitchell from the documentary that I watched, she worded it great. Mm-hmm. She said, quote, she immediately pulled focus and grabbed the headline again and went on to say, so that became the headline as opposed to Jody Arias convicted of first degree murder. It was Jody, Jody Arias wants the death penalty. Convicted murderer wants to die. You know what I mean? Yeah. She just got charged and she was like, okay, back to me. Make it about me. Make it about me. Ugh. Oh. Anyways, yeah. almost two weeks after the verdict, it's time for Jody's sentencing hearing. Mm-hmm. At the hearing, Travis's family took the opportunity to address the court and give victim impact statements. Travis's sister, mm-hmm. Samantha, said, quote, Travis was our strength, our constant beacon of hope, our motivation, and his presence has been ripped from our lives, end quote. His sister, Hillary, said, quote, bear with me, this one's rough. Ugh. She said, with great sacrifice and pain to myself, I've done my best to block my brother from my life. I don't want to remember him no more because it hurts too much to remember him alive. Because if I remember him, I remember how he was brutally taken from us and I can't handle it, end quote. Like that just... Like she doesn't even want to remember him. Like, yeah. She's trying not to remember him at all. Uh, So not only does the family of the victim get the opportunity to speak, so does the defendant. Oh gosh, of course she's going to say something. My next line. Of course, Jody took that opportunity. Yeah. So she gives this ridiculously long monologue about her life, slideshow included. What? Pictures of her with her family growing up. Yes. Oh my gosh. She talks about all the good she would do from prison... If sentenced to life, she would donate to Locks of Love for the rest of her life. She would teach Spanish and American Sign Language, share her knowledge. She would implement a recycling program. She talks about how many women in prison are illiterate. And she says, quote, I know that reading has enriched my life by expanding my knowledge base and opening my eyes to new worlds and different cultures. I can help other women become literate so that they, too, can add that dimension to their lives. And she tells the jury that she wants to start a book club. I thought she didn't want life. And she's trying to get life? Yeah. So, she also informs them that she has designed a t-shirt. She then grabs a t-shirt with the word survivor across the front and proceeds to say... This is the t-shirt. Which 100% of the proceeds go to support... Nonprofit organizations which also assist other victims of domestic violence. Some people may not believe that I am a survivor of domestic violence. They're entitled to their opinion. I'm supporting this cause because it's very, very important to me. Who let her do that? Right? Oh my God. I'm sorry, but the family of the victim that you brutally murdered is sitting right there. And you've already drug his name through the mud. And you have made the it all about me. And you have the audacity to say, I want to raise money for people who are victims of domestic violence. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Um, so when she's done with this inappropriate advertisement, basically, yeah. she goes on to say that she thought the death penalty was what she wanted, which she did state multiple times. But she tells the jury that asking for the death penalty is tantamount to suicide and it would only hurt her family. She concludes her statement to the jury by saying, quote, I've already hurt them so badly along with so many other people. I want everyone's healing to begin and I want everyone's hate to stop. End quote. I don't even... Yeah, there are no words. Um, three days later, the jury is done deliberating and everyone's back in the courtroom to hear their decision. Okay. They were split. Eight voted for death and four voted for life imprisonment. Okay. All the jurors, as you know, must agree. They yeah. got to be unanimous. So the judge's hands are tied and a mistrial is declared. So they have to go through another trial. It could have been avoided if the prosecution took the death penalty off the off the table uh-huh. and they just agreed to life. But Travis's family wanted the death penalty on the table. About a year and a half later, the retrial begins. So... The prosecution didn't have to go through all the evidence and testimony and stuff because guilt had already been established. That had been proven. She was convicted. So what they did have to do was convince this new jury that... She deserved life. That I mean, that she deserved the death penalty. That death was the appropriate punishment. Okay. So basically, the attorneys spoke freely to the jury. They pled their case for the death penalty or the life sentence, whatever. The trial concluded on February 25th, 2014. After six days of deliberation, the jury sends a notice to the judge that states, We are not unanimous. In my assessment, we are hung and additional time will not change this. Another mistrial. Right. So this time, 11 voted for death and only one voted for life imprisonment. Okay. But because Arizona law only gives the prosecution two chances for the death penalty, there wouldn't be another sentencing trial. Okay. If you don't get it the first two times, death penalty is off the table. So April 13th, 2015, the judge sentences Jody Arias to life in prison without the possibility of parole. After sentencing, Jody was taken to her new permanent home, mm-hmm. a 12 by 7 cell at the Perryville Prison for Women in Goodyear, Arizona, where mm-hmm. she remains today. Good. And that is it. That's insane. Yeah, she's crazy. There is, I will probably do another episode, maybe a bonus for Patreon. I could probably do a bonus for Patreon and a separate bonus for this, just because there's so much stuff. Really? Books. She sued her defense lawyer. There's conspiracy theories. and Wow. It's just one of those that people just grabbed it and ran with it in every direction possible. I was about to say, possible. like 15 in different every directions. direction possible. My goodness, that's crazy. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So, I think she did it just because she's crazy. Yeah, I think so too. jealous, wanted him to herself. And, yeah. Yeah. But if Mm -mm. you have any thoughts on this case, stuff I left out that I shouldn't have or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, email us. As well as any personal stories, case suggestions, thoughts, theories about anything else. Mm -hmm. Rate, review, follow us on Instagram. Yes. Join uh, our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Join our Patreon and become a relative. Yes. For extra tidbits. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us on Twitter. That way when something comes up, you'll see it. Yes. <laughs> and also on TikTok. We don't have anything on either, but maybe one day. And I think that's it. I think so. 
R.I.P. Travis Alexander. Yes. I don't care what you did, didn't do, whatever. You did not deserve all that. No. Agreed. Thanks for listening. We hope you keep listening. Thanks, guys. Come back. Come back, please. Yes, please. Bye. 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 Goodbye.